you have your Bible, I'm going to get, begin this morning in John chapter 10, verse 11. Very simply, as we continue in this series, I am Jesus, these I am statements, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He lays down his life. God's good. The gospel means good news, and the gospel is simply this, that God cares enough about you. He is your shepherd that he's willing to do anything, go to any length, even lay down his life for his sheep. Now, you're going to have to get used to the notion today of being called a sheep. So I wanted you to see your first cousin uh, firsthand as he got carried through the sanctuary. The, The notion of calling someone a good shepherd implies that there are those who aren't so good, right? Good requires a comparison point. And if you were to look in the very next verse, verse 12, you'd see a word about the wolf, the evil one, coming to destroy, to tear down what God's doing. And uh, all of us are intelligent enough to understand there's a lot of evil in the world, isn't there? Amen? You experienced evil firsthand this week? I bet in some form or fashion you have. Maybe the evil one has brought sickness to your family. Maybe he's working hard to destroy your relationships. Maybe the evil one is causing you to make terrible decisions. I don't know about you guys, but I'm good for a bad decision every two or three hours, aren't you? Amen? Don't make me feel like I'm the only one, okay? I know better. So the evil one is all around us, and he is in fierce competition with God for our soul, for our morality, for our decision-making. The evil one would like nothing better to move in and to destroy the relationship between you and God. I had a long conversation last night with someone who's trying to grasp and understand how good God is, and the evil one just continues to work on her. And she can't distinguish what God's saying, what the evil one's saying. Sometimes it's tough. But understand that there's a battle, a spiritual, cosmic battle, for your soul, for your attention, for your decision-making. The good shepherd has always been at odds with the wolf. So I want you to see how the good shepherd works in your life to keep you from the evil one and to keep you in the path that God has prepared for you. Now, we're going to begin by just figuring out who we are. And uh, This comparison with sheep, while really not a very flattering one, is a very apt one. And I want you to see this morning that there's more about you that would pertain to being a sheep than you know. So I'm going to give you several characteristics as we begin today about sheep. And as we talk about these sheep, I want you to be honest with yourself, these characteristics. 
and say, this is who I am. I can see this in me. Very first one, sheep get lost easily. Did you know that? Anybody here directionally challenged? You're not really sure which is the best way between here and in your house, maybe. You get lost easily. You lose your way easily, not only physically, but you might also lose your way spiritually from time to time, morally from time to time, emotionally from time to time. All of these things happen in your life, and you think you're on this path, and you're headed this way. But something happens, and it doesn't take very much. Throws you into depression, throws you into anger, and you lose your footing. You lose your direction. You lose your path. Sheep are that way. If sheep did not have a shepherd, if Gary would have not carried that precious little animal through here, that animal would have got lost. He would have ended up in a pew and got religion. It's so easy for us to lose our way, isn't it? Sheep are also defenseless and vulnerable. Write that down. Sheep are also defenseless and vulnerable. I want you to think about all of the animals that you can possibly conjure up. Every single animal has some type of defense mechanism. Anybody here a cat person? And you'll admit it? Okay, good. What's a cat do? A cat will literally claw you till you get away from him. Some animals can run away fast. Some animals can bite you. Other animals have uh, defense mechanisms of all various sorts and kinds. But a sheep has no defense mechanism. They're very vulnerable to any kind of attack from any outside force. If a shepherd is not there, a sheep literally becomes dead meat. That's kind of a bad pun right there, right? Bad meat. And in many ways, in relationship to the evil one, in relationship to what he is trying to do in our life, to the wolf that would attack, you and I are defenseless and vulnerable. Spiritually, unless we are covered by God's hedge of protection, unless we are in His will, unless our heart is centered on Him and we're listening to Him and following Him, we put ourselves out there and we are very, very vulnerable, essentially defenseless. Defenseless to any lie that might be told, to any temptation that might come our way, defenseless and vulnerable. Sheep are also intellectually challenged. Now that's a couple of big words for stupid. Uh, And I want to say this in the love of Jesus. With all the love of Jesus I can conjure up. I'm stupid and you're stupid. Now we're not stupid all the time but we're stupid often enough that it, it, it bears repeating, doesn't it? I, I don't know how long it's been since you've done something stupid. Anybody do anything stupid this morning? Come on. Sure you did. I, I, I've had kind of a good run on stupidity lately. 
a good run on it. I, uh, I don't want to go into this because I don't want to hear it again and again, but just let me tell you that it, today, at least, in the, let's just say this weekend, I've counted up because I wanted to, to bring data to this sermon. I have done 23 stupid things since Friday evening. And four or five of those stupid things I've repeated. Let me tell you what I did last night. I married my cousin. Now, not literally. I know this is Kentucky. (laughs) Forgive me. Let me say this. I was the officiator at her wedding. And it was a beautiful outside wedding. She's a twin. And so I immediately decided I want to brag about this wedding. I want to put what's happened on Facebook for all the world to see. So I put that on Facebook and said that I had married her sister. It took about seven minutes, seven seconds, for people to say, man, that's stupid. Where were you? What wedding were you at? So can you top, anybody, can you, Kent can top that, I'm sure. Stand and testify. Do you get shy? No. I, uh, I, I do something Thank you. Yeah? <laughs> so are you saying that the banjo was more important to you in that moment? <laughs> I wanted to know more, didn't you? Anybody else want to testify? I've done something stupid. I don't... Even from the back. Anybody in the back do anything stupid? You could have sat down here with me. Well, we'll just trust that you have. Also, sheep are filthy and stinky. I got close enough to catch a whiff of this lamb today, and I'm not sure if it was the lamb or Gary, but something was amiss. And if you just travel past a farm where they're at, you can catch an odor. And as much as we like to clean ourselves up, as much as we like to think that we're more righteous than we are, that we're better than we are, that we look better and smell better to God than we do, the reality is, as a result of our stupidity, as a result of our sin, there is a filthiness and an odor about our lives at times, aren't there? There's a filthiness and an odor. There's something that isn't right, that isn't acceptable to God. And if that filthiness and that stench wasn't there, then Jesus would have never had to go to the cross. He would have never declared himself to be our shepherd. Sheep are very stubborn. Did you know that? I understand that if a sheep goes into a place that's too narrow, maybe a place between two rocks, and he gets lodged in, and he can't get through kind of stuck, instead of 
turning on his backup beeper and backing out of there, he won't stop. He'll just keep going and going and going. You ever done that? You ever started the wrong way, got into a bad place, a place you knew you shouldn't be, doing something you knew you shouldn't be doing? You were wedged in, lodged in, and you knew that to get out of there, you had to back up and find your way. You had to back up and find God. I can't tell you the number of times in my life when I've been not only stupid but stubborn. Too stubborn to listen to people who loved me. Too stubborn to listen to my mom and dad. Too stubborn to stop and pray. And I just kept going and going getting more stuck and in more trouble. And even though they are stubborn, sheep are also easily influenced. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? It almost seems paradoxical. But if I want to lead a sheep somewhere, all I need to do is kind of get over in front of that sheep. He'll follow. He'll go wherever I go. He'll go wherever the leader of the pack goes doesn't take very long for you to get a sheep off the road that he should be on. And isn't it amazing how we can be with certain people and they're influential over our lives and we don't even know why. Whatever they say, we'll laugh at. Whatever they do, we'll participate in. And we just want to be uh, kind of in the midst of that moment and in that crowd amazes me how we leave this place where we can be influenced for good and go out to many other places and are immediately influenced by those who would pull us away from God. And so it's quite easy to see why Jesus chose the imagery of sheep as he spoke to his disciples and his followers Because not a whole lot has changed over the last 2,000 plus years, are we? We still have some of those really negative qualities that are prevalent in our life in relationship to sheep. The fact is, though, we try to ignore them and hide from them. The fact is, we try to rationalize that kind of behavior, and we try to fix it ourselves. And that's why Jesus said then, and it echoes across the generations, I'm the good shepherd. I want to move you from this place to another place. I want you to see yourself for who you really are, what your needs are, what your heart looks like, what you smell like, how God sees you. I want you to come to understand that I have your best interest at heart. So there are all of these passages of Scripture that use that imagery in the Bible and tell us exactly what the Good Shepherd does. And I want to give you some of the characteristics and some of the things that he wants to do in your life today. Whatever was relevant in your life of the things that we just talked about, here's how God can change all that. Here's how your shepherd can lead you. First of all, the Good Shepherd guides us. He guides us. If you look in Psalm 23, it's going to be on the screen. Here's what it says in verse 3. He restores my soul. 
and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then in this same passage in John 10 in verses 3 and 4, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by his name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before him, them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Well, I'm not sure about you, but I think I know the voice of God. I'm not sure that I've ever heard it audibly, but I, I, I think if I could hear the voice of God, he'd have a really deep one, don't you? Kind of like Troy up there. Sometimes we let Troy pretend to be God because of his voice. He'd have a deep voice. But in reality, there are a thousand other ways that God speaks to us. Maybe you have heard him audibly, but if you haven't, I bet that he's spoken to you. I bet there was a time in your life when you were at a crossroads, a spiritual crossroads. Maybe you were sitting in a church service like this and an invitation came. And you may have not heard God say, change, come down there, do whatever I ask. But you knew that's what you had to do, didn't you? You felt the tug of his spirit. The Bible says the sheep know his voice. See, if you have a heart for God, if you're sensitive to God, if you're tuned in to God, He's your good shepherd and you know His voice. You know exactly where He's leading you. Maybe this week you faced a big decision. Should I do this with my life or that with my life? How, how do I cope with this relationship? How do I find peace? You faced some kind of big decision, and you were listening for that voice. Or maybe you looked into His Word. You found a passage of Scripture that, that applied to your situation. Maybe you fell to your knees and you prayed and, and you felt the unction and, and, and the leadership of God. Maybe a door flew open and circumstances carried with it the voice of God. And as a result of what was happening in your life or around your life, you knew exactly what God wanted you to do. You see, there are a myriad of ways that God speaks to us. There are a myriad of ways that He shows us His will. He might even show you His will. You might even hear His voice through another person as they come to you as the instrument of God. It is even possible, listen to me, this is going to be a shocker. Hold on to your seats. It is even possible to hear the voice of God in a sermon. Huh. Or in a song. You see, I believe on the contrary. That God speaks to us all the time. I believe if we're watching and listening and we're sensitive to His power and His presence, to His activity in the world, God never shuts up. Amen. He never goes off duty. He guides us. 
He guides us. He also provides for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Want. Why don't we want? Because God's providing for us. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. That means he takes us to the very best restaurants. Green pastures. He's got nothing to do with basketball. I'm not sure God's a Kentucky fan, but it's starting to look like it, isn't it? (laughs) He leads us beside the still waters. In fact, the Bible says he's a living water. It's a place of security, you know, for sheep. Running water is a place of fear. Still water is a place of security where they can drink and be restored. I've been in some fearful places in life, haven't you? Places where I felt anything but secure. Times in my life where it really seemed like everything was up in the air. Nothing was certain. God led me to a still place. A place of peace. The Bible says eventually he restores your soul. I'd guess in a room full of people this morning, there's some of you who are soul sick or your soul's weary. More than anything else, you need restoration. You need to start again. You need comfort. The Scripture makes clear in this place and in others that whatever you need, God is able to provide it. That he knows better what you need than you do. Man, when I I get down and out, I've got the perfect plan to get back, and that perfect plan is always wrong. I think I know how to fix me. Don't you think you know how to fix you? God is the provider of the fix. He meets the needs. He anticipates and he provides. The Bible also says he corrects. Now, I want you to know this is my least favorite part of this sermon. I, uh, I have very little interest in punishment and correction. The older I get, the less I feel the need for somebody to tell me what's wrong with me. The older I get, the very, I continue to get less and less excited about God correcting me. But he never stops doing that. Remember when you were a kid and and, and your parents would punish you and they'd say something that sounded really, really crazy, like, I'm doing this out of my love for you. I don't love your belt or how it feels. Or they'd say, this is tougher on me than it is on you. Yeah, that's bogus, right? (laughs) Tougher on... You didn't believe that, did you? Just takes a little time to come to understand there's truth there, doesn't it? And that the correction of God in our lives 
is a very, very positive thing. The way God captures our attention, the consequences, the, the, the circumstances may not be positive, but the fact that He loves us enough to correct us as your parents corrected you, to discipline, to offer up punishment, is an indication of how much He loves you. See, if God didn't love you, he'd just let you follow along any path you wanted. If God didn't love you, he would just let you smell and be stupid. You ever come out of the house not quite prepared for what you might need to do that day, some hygiene issue? Not too long ago, not too long ago, I had a great big hair that I couldn't see that would stuck to my nose. And I could feel something there, but I couldn't see it. Finally, someone who loved me, Kent Holland. In fact, Kent looks at me every morning at work and, and corrects how I look. It's like on the schedule, ten fifteen, fixed Todd up. And we all need somebody like that in our life who will just tell us the truth. Man, that's gross. What's that on your nose? Whatever, right? Amen? Do you hear me? And that's what God does for you spiritually. That's what your good shepherd does for you as you follow him. He corrects you. I'm told that when a, a, a lamb refuses to follow the pack, kind of has a wild hair and wants to go over here, over there, and you're constantly having to bring him back into the fold, that eventually the shepherd will take his staff and actually break the leg of that little lamb. And I know that sounds cruel, but after he carries out that treacherous duty, that painful task, he'll place that little lamb on his shoulders for days till the lamb heals. He'll be right there. They'll be bonding. And that little lamb will actually become his pet. There have been times in my life when God's done that for me. When I was so, so lost, when my life was in the wrong direction, that he literally whapped me. He whacked me. And then he carried me. Isn't that amazing to think about? How much he loves you. How close he desires to be to you. Bible says he also protects us. It's in Psalm 23, 4 through 6. It talks about several things that are fearful to us here. It kind of starts with the one that's most fearful. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of what? Death. Fearful. Mystery. Scary. Toughest place to be. I will fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
you anoint my head with oil. For a sheep, that means he keeps the flies away. Your rod, your staff, your instruments of grace, they comfort me. Cup runs over. You give me the best. And no matter where I may go, your goodness and your mercy will be my companions. And one day, God, I'll live with you. I'll live with you. See, life can be really tricky and treacherous, can't it? It can go bad quickly. The enemy is powerful and he is relentless. Life can be tricky and treacherous. And God protects his own. All of us can point to some bad things that have happened in our life. All of us can point to times where it seems like or seemed like God's protection wasn't there and our prayers weren't being answered. All of us can point to some times where it seemed like we were in danger. Do you ever think about what might happen in a given day or what almost could have happened if you hadn't been a minute this direction Maybe you would have been in an accident if you hadn't done this or that. If God hadn't led you there, this might have happened. I don't believe we will ever know this side of heaven exactly how well protected we've been. Anytime I think about God and I think about the Good Shepherd, the imagery that comes to my mind and, and how God protects me is my Father. When I was about six, five, six in there somewhere, we were swimming down at Elk Lake in Owen County. You ever been to Elk Lake, anybody? There's a winery there now, and I better not catch you there, right? Go right on past that to the lake. Beautiful place. And I knew how to swim, but I wouldn't swim because I was kind of a wimp. And... Uh, we went out kind of in deeper water to an area where there was kind of a float, and I'd kind of hung on to him on the way out there. We got up on that float, and before I knew what had happened, somebody had picked me up and threw me in. And I went under, and I'd bob up, and I'd flail. You know how when you think you can't swim and you're, you're scared? And I was crying and screaming, and every lifeguard was swimming my way, but I looked around, and about that far from me was my dad. When he'd let me thrash long enough, when he'd let me learn my lesson, when he saw me start to swim, he made his presence known. And when I think about God, and I think about how fearful life is, it's comforting to know he's that close, isn't it? One final thing that the Good Shepherd does. To me, this is the most amazing it's in Luke chapter 15. It says, which of you, if you had a hundred sheep, if you lost one of them, would leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, and you'd go after the one who was lost till you find it? And when you find it, you'd lay that lamb on your shoulders rejoicing. 
And when he came home, he would call together friends and neighbors, and he'd say, Rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep which is lost. You see, first of all, that's kind of the, the imagery of the church, isn't it? The 99 are here. We're looking for the one who's not. We're constantly searching for the one who's not. But it's also a beautiful picture of the heart of God because God never gives up. Even if you're the only one, even if you're the person who's sitting here today and you're not sure that you're a part of God's family, if you're the one who's been extraordinarily stupid, if you're the one whose righteousness is non-existent, God's still looking for you. God never gives up on anyone, never forsakes us. Can you see the picture of the shepherd as he looks for the lamb? The rest are right here where they need to be, but he's looking here and there and up and down and back and forth. He, he's looking, his heart is breaking because he can't find the sheep. He's almost frantic, searching, looking. Where could he be? Where could he be? He needs me. He needs me. Where could he be? You ever lost a child at the mall? Can you imagine? Just in that little bit of time, that child that you've been given the job of protecting is lost. You know how frantic you feel. You see, when you're out of God's will, when you're lost, when God senses that you don't know where you're headed or what you're doing, if you're here this morning and you're just confused and broken and you're far from Him, that's exactly how God is looking for you. And He won't stop. He won't stop. Because He can't. He loves you too much. He won't stop till He finds you. And He brings you home. That's the good shepherd. That's your good shepherd. For every deficiency in your life, he's sufficient. For every broken place, he's your healer. For every sin, he's your savior. Pray with me. Father, we come to this moment of commitment and there are folks in this room who are just covered over with pain, covered over with shame, directionless, purposelessness, broken, weary, wounded, folks who are lost. And my prayer right now, right here, Father, that you would shepherd us, claim us, 
Break us if necessary. Carry us. Forgive us. Right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. The altar's open, friends. It's a place to meet the shepherd. It's a place to find new passion, new hope, a new start. Communion is available on my left and right if you'd like to share in that moment of thanksgiving and grace. You come and do so. But be obedient. If you're that lost sheep that God's looking for, would you come run into Him right now as we sing?